Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and with me as always is Mr. Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. How are you doing? Me. Are you uh, all right? You... Mr. Marek Larwood. Well, I thought it would be a bit formal or respectful, maybe, is the word today. Oh, that makes a change. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that me respecting you has uh, produced such a negative response. Everything does these days. Yeah, it's true. Let's be positive. You're it's right. been a lovely week of sun. It's been all right. It's been quite sunny, hasn't it? Um, I went to the cinema to see a film. It's always nice to go to the cinema when it's hot, isn't it? Um, it's the best way to go to enjoy a sunny sun- afternoon. <laughs> sunny afternoon. If there's aircon, it's all right, I suppose. Uh, what did you go and see? I went to see the um, film version of Arthur Ransom's classic, Swallows and Amazons. Swallows and Amazons. Now, this is actually a book that I didn't read because my brother read it when we were younger. And, oh, I hate him. And so I went, no, I don't want to read that. I don't want to be like that. Bro. Yeah, I was, going, I was going through you know, that thing. Where the, well, that's now one of his things. I want my thing. It's, my dad used to force Swallows and Amazons on us because he read it when he was a kid and he was so... It's a bit... I think maybe it's starting to be a bit dated. Is it's it Kids bit, in a Boat? What is it? Yeah, so what happens is it sort of feels a lot like that sort of Enid Blyton... Rip, yeah, I yeah. want to look at when it's published, actually. It's a bit um, Tom Sawyer. Yeah, it's four posh kids go on holiday uh, to the place where they go um, every summer, to the Lake District. Right. And they um, decide they're allowed to go out on the boat on the the lakes, and they the boat's called the Swallow, and they go off and they decide to camp out on an island, and the many adventures. Oh, so the Am- the Amazons thing is fic- fictitious. Uh, Amazon is the other boat. Oh, so, so it's, some it's set in the Lake District. Yeah, I assumed it was set in the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. It's, um, it's very. It's. Atypically English, right? It, the original book was written, written in nineteen twenty nine, and I read it. And I found it sort of a, when I was a kid. I'm not revisited it. I found it a little bit boring, a little bit staid. Mm. Um, but so this here's a situation when when you've got a classic, they have to be quite faithful to that classic. And the problem with this was it felt as though they really felt compelled to put all the scenes in from the original book which I can't remember because there were some bits which were just cut short right. and they didn't really work and it's very reliant on a young cast I actually thought so there's two there's two older kids 
and two younger kids. It's a classic uh, Narnia yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, setup. There's a Peter and a Susan, and yeah. Edmund and a Lucy. Yeah, it's a version of that. Aren't Pete, are, are called? I find out what. How many witches are in it? There's no witches. It's not f- fantastical at all. How many sword fighting mice are there? Really? There's none of that. Mm. Um, so there's um, John and Susan are the older ones. <laughs> okay, you've got to be a Susan. That's a rule. It's and a Susan, Tatty, and Roger, the younger ones. Tatty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I actually thought the older actors, especially John, weren't very good at all. Oh, dear. And he just couldn't do the emotional bits. He was the lead, really. I think it's probably hard, hardest rather, to be a good actor when you've just hit puberty. Because it's the time when your own identity is the most in flux. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you where and suddenly you're being asked to perform, you know, give give of yourself something true and yeah. unvain. I think that's probably really tough to be a a 13 year old actor yeah he's probably a bit older than that but he's oh, really he's play, playing the equivalent in Scooby Doo terms okay of Fred right yeah and Fred is fundamentally bland oh yeah yeah that's his role yeah and boring and the same way John is really just a sort of pretty normal perfect man no just but maybe a little bit more uh, uh, antagonistic than that so who in uh, Scooby Doo terms is Susan Susan is like Wilma, not Wilma, uh, Daphne. Daphne. And who is uh, Tatty and Roger? Well, Tatty, there isn't really a Scooby Doo equivalent of Tatty. <laughs> okay. Um, Roger is a bit like doom, Shaggy. Maybe. The kid who played Roger, I found really annoying because he pulled the same expression the whole time. Oh. But he's only seven or eight years old, so I've got to forgive him that. The girl who played Tatty was actually the best, I thought. She was very, she was really good. Um, the adult actresses and acting actresses uh, who I was in it Jessica Hines is in it Race Ball Andrew Scott Kelly MacDonald oh cool um, Harry Enfield's in it uh, Dan Skinner's in it uh, he's, he's in everything these days he's very good though really? I think Dan's quite versatile that's the thing I was in the film with Dan yeah, he's where he's playing a Welsh actor he's in everything you can piss off now oh. <laughs> um, so the adult actors are better the problem is, it's just, it's just not the content is is quite old fashioned, yeah, and archaic, and they stay true to that, and it feels as though you're watching a very old film, but made, it doesn't have that innocence when they're made in the seventies and eighties. It just feels a bit too mm. out of its time. Okay, is, does it have any? Charm that translates or relevance, or is well, it the just dated? Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So you can just watch uh, watching boats go, go across the lakes, and s- is calming and refreshing. And but you that, feel... that could be a screensaver. That doesn't need to be a film, does it? Well, you have that nostalgic feel as if you're going on your old English sort of holiday, which we never went on. But sure. how I imagined a, fam- a rich families would go on a holiday to a, a nice bit house in the Lake District and have fun and larks. They'd go to the family lake. They go to the family lake and they'd have fun and larks and midnight picnics and run around playing sword fights and everything was quite nice and simple and innocent. There are no mobile phones, no internet and it just felt no real fashion problems. Uh, Everything felt a lot nicer. I mean, There was no real fear of paedophiles so kids were allowed to just disappear all day. Yeah, I mean, if your kid were missing, you'd have another kid to... (laughs) Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. 
um, it just it just didn't click for me it felt like some of the scenes were oddly abrupt didn't really have any it's what when you're trying to bridge a book you know yeah rather than having a whole full scene you just, you just have to show this tiny bit the book is quite a big book so it cut things really really short so I felt you'd just seen you'd have a couple of sentences to explain a whole scene and it felt really jarring and yeah. strange that's, that's a very modern thing though isn't it where you go rather than telling a simpler story yeah. we will tell as complex a story but just give you the rough idea of it and then move on. Yeah, I and think they should have just cut loads of stuff out it's a, made it a lot simpler. A, that's, a, that's a very evocative um, description of our time, actually. It's yeah. like what's sort of wrong with films at the moment. Is it any good despite that? I thought it was really average. I thought it was yeah. 5 out of 10. I didn't really enjoy it. But a lot of people coming out of the cinema said they loved it. Right. And the kids were saying that was the best film they'd seen. Mind you, the, maybe the kid hasn't been to... The cinema to see other Maybe films. might not have been let out of the house before. It was nice to see a kids' film that wasn't an animation. Yeah, which makes a refreshing change. And it was good to see a British film that was uh, showed we've got this decent cast of character actors, which should be used more. Yeah, and and I hope people get behind it. But I just thought they should have taken that Swallows and Amazon thing and just rewritten it into something a lot slicker. Uh, where the scenes weren't just, you just think I just it's just half a scene that people who've read the book go oh well, that bit's in it that bit's in it that bit's in it rather than just do away with that it's just too jolty and all over the place right so I mean it's not a classic by any means you want to like it it's one of those films you really want to like yeah you want you felt like you wanted to enjoy it but you know, didn't so what sorry who, what, who do the adults play in this what kind of people are uh... Kelly McDonald and Andrew Scott playing. So Kelly days. McDonald is the, ch- the children's mum. Okay. And her husband's away uh, as a sailor somewhere. Andrew um, Race Ball yeah. plays Captain Flint, who is a mysterious sort of man who lives on the lake on the houseboat. He's quite abrupt. Is Rafe old enough to play a mysterious captain now? I mean, we're captains all in their 40s. He's a spy. Uh, Andrew Scott and Dan Skinner are the bad guys okay. and uh, Harry Enfield and um, Jessica Hines are the, the old couple who run this sort of cottage where they stay okay. so it's quite odd that, that Harry Enfield's married to Jessica Hines yeah. and it's about 20 he, years yeah he's like 80 yeah <laughs> uh, but it's great to see Harry Enfield in a in a, a film I, think I like Harry Enfield I think man. he's great yeah but it just didn't really take off for me and I think the critics have been quite nice to it because of the the goodwill felt towards all the people in it. Yeah, and Swallows and Amazons, but it seems an odd thing to have gotten made. Do you know what I mean? Is the it was funded part of the funding? I looked at the start of it. I think was was some sort of uh, Lake District film. I think it was money right, from okay. that. Okay, so it's a tourism film. I'm, I think there's some money come from some Lake District. Something came up saying... Why not? Of- you know, if, if your film has to have beautiful shots in the Lake District, it seems a sensible place to go knocking. The wildlife is and, and the, the scene, the um, location stuff is, is filmed. It looks really beautiful. Any but, good, like, you know, otters in it or any good... No, it's Like hard, a banjo? It's quite hard to have dramatic chases oh. in sailing boats. Oh, because they're incredibly slow. Yeah. Um... So trying to build up tension with people in a boat is 
it's just really difficult. You've you can only do it in fantasy stuff, really. I'm trying to think of anyone who's done it. And uh, well, James Bond does it in speedboats. Speedboats is different, though, isn't it? Because they're basically water bikes. Yeah. Um, but um, they do it in Princess Bride when they're in the sea with all of the eels in it that they're being they're gaining on them. But again, that takes forever. Um, they do it in Waterworld quite well. But again, that's that's petrol-driven things. Uh, just going back to last week's episode, when that bloke asked for kids' films, we didn't mention The Princess Bride. No, it's good. Quite sexist, though, by, if we revisit it. It's still brilliant, but it is, by modern standards, the kids might be a bit like, eh? Just do a talk on sexism beforehand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, it, because the, none of the women had any uh, agency at all. Mm. Um, but the, the other performances are brilliant. I told you that I went back to the... Um, the sword fight scene with uh, Carrie Elvis and um, uh, what's he called uh, Mandy Potemkin uh, on top of the cliff tops after I'd done a sword fighting course and it was like this is going to look dead easy now now I know how it's done and it's like it's phenomenal it's a great scene <laughs> it's phenomenal yeah great scene uh, yeah it's great um, yeah, so uh, I mean just leave it how many Mariks? five five Mariks. slap bang in the middle we're on the spate, continuing the spate of really average summer You know films. what? This is a weird thing, or it might just be a boring thing, but five uh, Mariks sounds better than two and a half stars. But it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's the same thing. You just gave that two and a half stars. Five Mariks. <laughs> Don't do half, just do out of ten. You no, no, but that's how it works, isn't it? That's math. Um, here's an email. Yeah. What are we doing emails? Well, if we're doing emails, then we need this. You read it. Right. It's from Jules Lawrence. Jules says, Watcher, guys, just listen to your Highlander casting game on my way into work. For an immortal Scotsman, you missed the really obvious choice. David Tennant. No. He's actually got a very slightly Chris Lambertish appearance, which kind of works. Though that could be just his cheekbones and trench coat. Also, in your discussion of the great Clancy Brown, can I mention his great work in SpongeBob SquarePants, the voice of Eugene Krabs, as well as one of my favourite HBO series, The American Gothic Carnival. I've seen quite a bit of that. He's excellent. In the latter, he is superb as the main villain, a possibly demonic gospel preacher who's up there with Robert Mitchum in Night of the Hunter for terrifyingly twisted religion. Oh, that's high praise. Yeah. If you've not seen it, it's very good indeed. It also touches on another theme you discussed earlier. The, the cast aren't pretty. The whole thing is quite grizzled and downbeat in a John Steinbeck sort of way. By the way, I reckon a rundown of best stuff to watch on YouTube or Vimeo would be a good thing for you guys to do occasionally. Ever seen The Mysterious Geographical Explorations of Jasper Morello? A bit style over content, but exquisitely put together. Keep watching the films, guys. Cheers, Jules Lawrence. Um, thank you, Jules. I'm not sure about David Tennant as McLeod. No way. He's He's got a more of a trickster's vibe to him than a warrior's vibe. Do you know what I mean? I'm just not... So you know some actors you have um, just not fans of? Mm. 
Are you not a fan? Not at all. I really liked him in Bright Young Things before he uh, he had a breakout. That was probably his breakout performance, in fact. And he sort of steals it because he's really funny as a a sort of just um, additional character, bit of a pathetic toff. And he was very good at it. I've heard he's best at theatre, and it's why in TV he can sometimes seem like he's a bit eggy because he's really talented theatre actor. I enjoyed him in Jessica Jones, even though I didn't think the TV show was that good. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't. I'm. He's not my favourite Doctor Who. But he's my least favourite. I don't even watch it. Yeah. I don't even watch it because of him. But um, things to watch on YouTube and Vimeo. I mean, I don't have a very long list, so we could do it eventually. The only thing I can think of is um, is uh, uh, Dear Zachary. Is the only thing I can think of on YouTube. Dear Zachary, a letter to a son about his yeah, father. Yeah, they're quite hard to find because a lot of the links die and they get... Well, because a lot of them are illegal, so I yeah. don't really want to share those ones, but... M, I watched on YouTube, that's legal because it's going to have copyright. That's right, yeah. Which I've still gonna, not watched M. 1930, I think it was made, so that it passes the 75 years thing. And I think some of the chaplains are also on YouTube. Oh, is that right? Yes. That's good. Here's a message from... Uh, <laughs> What? Vincenzo Pizzi Ferry. Hi, I'd like to know the email address to send pictures, curriculum, and links to showreel for the new casting of Matteo Jerome. What? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's basically someone's uh, mistaken for a film company. <laughs> but I thought I'd read it. <laughs> let's, let's read it. What's that? That's it. Is that it? I think someone... Hi, I'd like to know the email address to send pictures, curriculum and links to showreel for the new casting of Matteo Girone. Thank you and best regards, Vincenzo Pussyferi. Oh, well, what's Matteo Girone? Shall I Google it? Well, I hope Vincenzo's found some acting work. I hope he has. Uh, I mean, what's he mistaken us for? I don't know. The production company, presumably... Matteo Garoni is a filmmaker who made Tale of Tales. Whoa. So I think maybe he's found that we did our episode on Tale of Tales, cause so, we, so he's Googled it um, and well, misunderstood. I hope, uh, Vincenzo, that you've got in touch with uh, Matteo Garoni and you're in his, his next, next film. film because... He's pretty good. You know, he did Gamora as well, which by the sounds of it is very different to Tale of Tales. And all of our fans will keep an eye out for you and your acting career if you pop up in things in, in the future. Yes. Best for- of luck. It's a jungle out there. And it's good to have some hustle. But I would recommend emailing actual film companies in future. Yes. That, I, that, that would, just from a personal experience. Unless Matteo Garoni listens to this and thinks... That's the guy. That's the guy right there. He's got hustle. From that factual, <laughs> no-nonsense email, yeah. he's the sort of actor I want on board. Uh, yeah. I mean, you never know, do you? You never know. I mean, I've never got work from all those podcasts I emailed about yeah. stuff. But, but that's my favourite email to date. <laughs> it's my favourite. <laughs> if you're looking for work, why not email us? Do filmfandango <laughs> at gmail.com. Or you can go on our website, um, filmfandango.com. Um <laughs> Uh, right, uh, we we have no work going, just to be clear. Yeah, there's no work. There's no work, but you can send us your CVs if you want. Oh, no. <laughs> right, this is from Alex Hodgson. 
Um, and he says, Dear David, Marrick and Buddy, the Brechtian alienation device. <laughs> okay. Um, in your most uh, recentist ist podcast, Mr. Ed Petrie mentioned how he was oddly possessive about Oh Lucky Man and If because they meant so much to him at a certain point in his life. And now he feels quite protective of it and hates hearing criticism of it, such as Marek's score of 6 out of 10. Did you rate the film he brought in? That's, yes. that's quite rude. We don't usually do that. I think I was in a bad mood. Thanks for there. bringing that in. Four! <laughs> Here's how I rate your life. Two. Oh, you like that film, do you? Three. <laughs> I wonder if you or your listeners have films like this. For me, it's Gross Point Blank, a film that I loved from the moment I saw it and seemed to speak to me in some way I don't understand, given that neither as a teenager nor now was I, or am, a hitman undergoing a crisis of confidence. I think originally most people hadn't seen it, so I felt a bit like it was my film, and I also fell in love with Mini Driver a bit. But I watched and posted about it when it was on TV a few weeks back, and it seems that lots of people have seen and love it now. It's an extremely 90s film, but in a good way. The best bits of its music, introspection and indie creds. I also feel a little bit the same way about Mystery Men, which I think David mentioned a few weeks back, but it, for a different reason. I sort of feel like I discovered it, and the only one who, and I'm the only one who thought it was any good. I bought it on DVD in an hour price, bargain bucket, for £3, purely on the basis that William H. Macy was in it, and thought it was far too good a film to have been completely forgotten about. Do you have? Do you also have films that you love partly because you accidentally discovered them in an odd way and perhaps like them more than you ordinarily would because of it? I'd be interested to hear your opinions on this. Keep watching the films, Alex. P.S. I would wish Marek good luck in his job hunt, but your subplot of Marek's descent into madness is far too entertaining for me to actually want him to succeed. Having said that, his bile against his fellow actors is also entertaining. So maybe I hope you get an acting job but it's with a bunch of real whimsical assholes. Oh, right, thanks. So That's basically, you're, you're hoping my life goes badly. Well, no, I mean, you get a job with, let's be honest, whimsical assholes are more successful, so that would be a step up. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, so, the, to the question, uh, Mystery Men, uh, also I have mentioned it before, is one of those that people don't really remember, and it is great. It's a superhero film from before the superhero film thing. And it's Ben Stiller, William H. Macy, and Hank Azaria, who isn't in enough stuff, probably because he's got more money than God from doing The Simpsons. But mm. he's so funny in Mystery Men and The Birdcage, are two standout Hank Azaria performances. He's brilliant in them. Um, but it's it's worth checking out. It also has Jeffrey Rush and Greg Kinnear as uh, uh, a supervillain and superhero. They're great. It's really good. Um, any films you feel weirdly protective about? Yeah, it's sort of that thing where you... There's certain films you automatically judge people on, whether you're going to be friends with them. Yeah. So someone doesn't like a film. But films I'm protected of, I discovered... I remember watching an uh, American movie, I think still my American, my favourite documentary of all time, on, I was on Channel 4 late one night, and I was amazed by it, and then I revisited it yeah. a few years ago. I think it's amazing... Flight of Dragons I talked about a couple of weeks ago or last week the cartoonish I watched Easter We Found by Luck I think it's amazing and no one really knows about it mm. uh, and Watership Down I've got a nostalgia to it every two or three years I'll just watch that and feel content yeah yeah. I'm trying to think of films that people don't actually they tend to hate and that irks me you know because uh, 
the ones you've mentioned, Flight of Dragons, a lot of people won't have, have heard of, but the others are pretty much universally acclaimed, yeah. aren't they? It's well, American movie. I don't think many people have heard no, of. That's they? true. That's true. Um, uh, for me, I think Beastmaster is one that's just weirdly up there. I just watched it at a time when I absolutely loved it, and I cannot help but love it when I see it again. I I am aware it is probably not. So that was like the same as Krull, really, wasn't it? Or well, the, this is the thing. Krull for me is shit, but Beastmaster is excellent. Like that, very similar me, film. Very similar. That sort of high that high fantasy sort of barbarians and wizards and evil and you know Crow was always on though wasn't it it was always on and for me the ones that are of that genre that were good because this is pre-Lord of the Rings when no one really did this genre they were always slightly weird small films and one of the biggest probably which I still think stands up is great is Willow as well of that genre but mm. Beastmaster it's nobody you know it's people go what's this and it's a franchise that it's a B movie basically because it's a franchise that went completely off the rails. In the I'm sequel, sure I've seen it on. on um... It's a it's a it's a Lord of the Rings esque, um, you know, high fantasy about a, bo- a peasant boy whose uh, village is killed by barbarians, and he uh, he goes off into the world to find his destiny when he discovers he can. Oh, I have seen. He it. can speak to animals. Um, a sort of. Sexy Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, they've like. got there's the very sexy lady in it. Er, uh, who is called Tara Tanya Roberts. That's it. That's it. And Rip Torn is the bad guy. Rip Torn is uh, Mayax, the uh, evil priest. Well, I have seen. It's this. properly it's great. Good. It's properly good. Um, I love it, and I will have no bad words said about it. Well, it's got six point two on IMDb. The Metascore, which is Critics Reviews, is yeah. eighteen. Idiots, absolute idiots. Um, but the sequels go completely off the rails. Imagine if, instead of the film they made for the Two Towers, the sequel to Fellowship of the Ring, instead they had Frodo and Sam finding a time portal into modern-day New York. That's what they do for the sequel, where Mark Singer and his tiger and his falcon go to modern-day New York and basically do the plot of Crocodile Dundee. I think maybe we should have a whole episode... Dedicated to Beastmaster and Beastmaster 2. If you want to watch them, I would love that. I would love that. Well, maybe we'll just do the Beastmaster episode then. Yeah. I think I want the theme to Beastmaster played at my funeral. I think that's what I want. So, how about if yeah. we can hold these for next week, we'll do Beastmaster and Beastmaster 2. All right. Done. None of this summer blockbusters of nonsense. Yeah. Double Beastmaster. Double Beastmaster. <laughs> Oh, that's going to be the worst episode. <laughs> Everyone will be tuned. Hey guys, have you heard that Film Fandango are doing Double Beastmaster? Oh my god, that sounds incredible. <laughs> They're doing what everyone's been thinking. Uh, yeah, but thank you for your thank you for your letter, Alex. One more. Yeah, why not? This is from Miles. Subject: Classics. Hello all. If it's not too much of a bother, a Yorkshire accent go a long way. York, York, Yorkshire. York, Yorkshire. I'm getting into it now. York, 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 Yorkshire, isn't it? It's close, yeah. You've got Yorkshire accent. Yorkshire. This is loosely linked to that I of the Duck moment conversation from the IMDb Top 200 Films on that. It got me thinking about what films of my generation, early 2000s onwards, will be revered with such high regard and what ones that will fall by to wayside. For example... 
My favourite film is The Master, 2012, and although receiving a critical acclaim in Oscar buzz, it has largely already been forgotten about, about in film discussion. Granted, I may just be looking in the wrong places, and I know that I can't force other people to be as enthused about a film as I am. Regardless, what films that you love are not being discussed about enough, and what ones do you think will be from this generation that will be discussed about in the <laughs> Are you adding the emotional turmoil of living yeah, in Yorkshire? that will be discussed about in the next 30, 40, 50 years. Cheers. I hope you read this out. Your show is the only thing that stops me from wanting the sweet release of death every week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reading my letter out. May you just give me a new lease on life. Miles. Uh, well, this is sent on 29th of July. So oh, may God, well. I hope you're still with us, Miles. Um, good question. It's interesting, isn't it, that... What remains once all the bu- the buzz and the hype has subsided? Because the hype can last for some time after everyone has seen the film. Like, people can believe they had a great time watching a film at the cinema because they've gotten so into the circus. And then two, three years pass and they'll, they'll never watch that film again. They'll never even think about it, whereas others will stay in your mind. Like, I remember people, certainly university students, were, around the time I was going to uni, were big into the film Magnolia. Which was oh, sort yeah. of around. It was. It had all of those sort of cool indie film people in it of the time, and then this phenomenal performance by Tom Cruise as well. And it, it's a good film, but it's not the film of that period that people still talk about. You know, Fargo has has kept is up there with just ones people still go. Yeah, Fargo. That's a brilliant film. You know, I haven't heard people speak about Magnolia in years. I, I think the set's got something to do it. And the fi- Fargo, you feel you're in Minnesota, you feel yeah, it's yeah. cold. The music and the pictures it? are just so in keeping. They, they get in, under your skin. When I was at university, the modern film, where uh, I did film studies, and the f- film that everyone... It was 12 Monkeys that was really discussed as a sort of... Uh... Interesting, because for me, I, I enjoy 12 Monkeys. It's really fun. It For me, it's the le- one of the least interesting Gilliam films. It For me, it's his mainstream film yeah and actually probably the film that tempted him over to the dark side to make some real pish later on so Brothers Grimm is his absolute attempt to get studios on board and it's boring as a result it's not good what films do I think we talked about I mean 12 Years a Slave I think will be it was overrated yeah Lincoln was one of the worst Oscar oh. films I've ever seen no. well the Oscars one's another one where it's it, it becomes blatantly apparent that that wasn't deserved. I think Birdman should be still be talked about. I really, I think Whiplash as well. It's the iconic film of the last ten years, though, which is the one that people will... It'll just keep being played and people will refer back to it for what they should do with their films. You know, like The Matrix was in 99, where it has been influential on that entire genre, both sci-fi and action. Everyone revisits The Matrix. Have we had one in the last ten years? Or has it all been consumed by this copying thing? It's all remakes. What's the big... Um, There's got to have been some... I mean, I think Mad Max did incredible things with with, uh, action that, you know, will hopefully be uh, influencing other things in the future. I, I, I mean, my mind's gone blank. I'm just going to try and refer. If in doubt, look at your. Go to IMDb. 
if you can no longer recall feelings, yes. then why well, not you... look at some stars on on your iPhone? Feel, <laughs> feel for time. What did I feel in the past? Did I feel anything in the past? And there was a little bit, there was a, a period in sort of the late nineties, early to. I think it had a good little run of like hope, Usual Suspects 7. I don't know why I'm sticking with action, but for some reason they're coming to me. The Raid, I think, will be remembered. I hope it will be. It's just like that incredible sort of new wave of uh, East Asian cinema. It takes about 10 years. I mean, look at the late 90s, American Beauty 7, Usual Suspect, The Sixth Sense. They're all sort of quite big. Seven films. feels like the biggest, though. American Beauty people don't watch anymore, do they? Yeah. It might have dated. I've not watched it again. But uh, Seven has hugely influenced crime dramas. Yes. Hugely. But was also... Yeah. And I can't think of anything that's been... Of the last ten years? No. Um, maybe it's, it's been franchises, hasn't it? It's all been you know Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, um, Marvels stuff. Maybe the Batman ones. I think maybe um, Inception. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. I mean, it was style over substance, but what what style? Like the style was great. And the Christopher Nolan seems to be yeah. one that, with with um, Dark Knight and uh, Inception and Memento was him, wasn't it? Uh, yes, I think he his sort of he seems to be one of the sort of auteurs really, yeah. and it's a shame. That I really liked um, Drive, but I think his follow ups have been pretty. Will weak. it be remembered? I mean, I thought Drive was great. Yeah, but there's not been that real that real sudden change of style. I think Christopher Christopher Nolan maybe he his is the, he's the one that stands out. Yeah, probably. Probably his will be the ones that in 10 years people have still heard of it. Like, people not yet born in 20 years' time will have seen that film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Pixar. It'll be Pixar. Feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. They, I mean, they are the what. Some of the Pixars will stand the test of time for, forever. People will be Inside watching. Inside Out, I think, is underrated. Uh, it is underrated. But, I mean, Toy Story. Yeah, Toy Story 2 and 3. Even... They, will, they will survive. They. Yeah. they are huge, you know, influences. Yeah. Uh, blue is the warmest colour. Uh, is it that influential, though? I don't know. Um, it's an interesting question. If, if you, you know, why not? This is probably a big enough topic that you can tell us. Why not email us? Go to our website, filmfandango.com, and uh, fill in the box from there, and we'll get your message. And if we get enough, we'll, we'll do this topic again. Because it's interesting. Which films of the last ten years do you think will be amongst those that people herald as they were the best of that decade. You know? mm. Have we? How many have we had? Compared with films we could list in the 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s. The 80s seems to be the tons, weren't there? Yeah. It just takes 10 years for you to work out what classics are, I suppose. Well, maybe. Maybe people didn't know at the time. Yeah, yeah of course, because some of them were absolute critical flops, weren't they? Critical and financial flops, the ones we now herald as being perfect. Anyway... Uh, yes, go to our website, filmfandango.com. Now, I've seen a film this week. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. It's one I've been wanting to see for a while. It's been on my on my Flickster app. I've got, uh, you can you can press a thing that says one to three. Boop, boop, boop. It's what I use when, you know, when people drunkenly, when they know you do a film podcast, they drunkenly in a pub go, 
I tell you what you should see, and then they tell you a film you're never going to remember. No one said it to me. So I put those into this app. So okay. I've got a list I can work through. And this is the film Slow West. Mm-hmm. Now, this was the feature film debut of um, one of the beta band, um, whose name is his name's John McLean or McLean. I don't know if, how not you pronounce the, it. Not the bloke who ran for president or, or something about uh, ten years ago. Senator uh, yeah. John McLean. No, uh, not uh, no. The one from uh, Nakatomi Plaza incident. Do you remember him? No. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, John McLean or McLean. Um, he wrote and not directed the one from this. Die Hard. That's what I was saying. Nakatomi Plaza. Oh, that's Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As usual, Marikis. <laughs> ten seconds too slow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new jingle. Um, oh no! Put that way in. <laughs> Whenever you sing something, someone puts it to a beat. So this film, it's a writing de- uh, directing debut. It's about a Scottish kid and an Irish man in the Wild West. Um, How did they get there? Everyone was from Europe back then. Oh, of course. None of them were from America, apart it, from the Native Americans. Because of all the potatoes. No, no, there weren't any potatoes. I think that's the history, isn't it? Yeah. We ran out of potatoes, so we went to America, where potatoes are from. Yes. And as people ate them, we had to go further and further west <laughs> to, to keep find finding potatoes more potatoes. Until yeah. we fell into the sea. Yeah, in California, it's basically like Hansel and Gretel with a sort of running out of the bits of bread. No, no, that's it's like the, the Pied it's Piper. The opposite, Hansel it's the opposite and Gretel. Of that. Yeah. It's the Pied Piper, but instead of playing a tune, he's dropping potatoes. Yeah, that's right. So basically, this is about a young boy who's played by the actor Cody Smith McPhee, who's very good actually. He's an Australian kid, but he, he plays this Scottish kid who's a bit of a posh kid, and there's this girl he's in love with who has fled Scotland with her dad because of an incident you find out about and they've headed into the West to start a new life. And he is entirely on his own, just completely uh, out of his depth trying to track her down. No phone signal. Because no phone signal at all. They do that at the beginning. It's like, oh no, in the Wild West, I can't phone for help. What year is it? It's the Wild West, so no, oh, no phone. Eight, what year is it? 1870? The thing, uh, the Wild West is when we had our Victorian era. Yeah. So they're the same time. That's thus the bowler hats. So, and he uh, bumps into a basically uh, fallen desperado played by Michael Fassbender. Good old Fassbender. And he, it transpires, he's a bit of a cowboy figure you know you don't know whether you can trust him and it turns out you probably can't but he used to be in a gang bad old fassbender yeah yeah and it's basically their trip across America heading west to try and find this girl but it's there's there's twists and turns I'm not going to give too much away again I can't really describe it because I enjoyed it so is it drama thriller it's um it's got it's a, it's a western plain, plain and simple you know okay. it's got um, characters that uh, pour their hearts out and it's got characters who hold it all back and it's a violent world where it's this uh, fight between are we just surviving or is there something worth uh, uh, fighting for like now, real like now yeah yeah real exactly life. yeah it's a frontier you know it's, it's a fun, wilderness it's a bloody wilderness out nobody there, mate. will help you but yourself um, uh, or God. will they yeah, no, they won't. I won't even help myself. Well, you should help yourself. 
There's sugar right here. Oh, thanks. Have some. Um, it's a great film. It's really good. Uh, and it, it, the ending is surprising and everyone in it is excellent. It's beautifully shot. Beautiful. It's all filmed in uh, New Zealand, um, which is uh, where you double for any beautiful landscape, apparently. Was this really well received when it came out then? Or? It was really well reviewed. It's on Rotten Tomatoes. It's something like a 93. Wow. But I think because it was a directorial debut um, from a British bloke, it just didn't get the distribution. And Michael Fassbender, his face on the poster wasn't enough. My guess, and this is just a guess, because he was in fucking everything back then. Yeah. So his face being on the poster was just like, Oh, a film must be out then. Yeah, <laughs> but it's from 2015, so it was last. It was last year, um, and what troubles me is that this director. This is great. It's a great screenplay. It's a great uh, directorial debut. It's a properly good film. He's got nothing on IMDb for upcoming projects. Oh no, nothing. I just, I just go. Oh God! If you you can make a film with an A-list star in it yeah. and it, you do nothing wrong, and it's you're still struggling to get that second. I don't know what's happened, but it's well worth tracking down. If you like a western, it's one of the it's one of the better. Well, oh, I don't like westerns. Do you not? I no. don't like those old John Wayne ones. I don't like those TV movies. I love uh, spaghetti westerns, the Sergio mm. Leone stuff, and it's more you know akin to that. Or there's the um, that. Australian one that Nick Cave wrote as well. What was that called? Do you remember that one? No. I'm going to look that up now. That's going to annoy me. Um, but no, it, it's very good. How many Davies do you give it? I think I give it eight. I give it eight. Is this on Netflix then? Or it is. Um... It's on Netflix. That's why I found it again. We're not sponsored by Netflix. The other services, but that's the one that annoys if, me the hey, least. Listen, if you are running a streaming service and you want to sponsor us, please do. If you want to sponsor us for anything, weddings, um, sponsored run, sponsored run, <laughs> a, 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 a meat party, meat party, yeah, so you're throwing a meat party. It's like been a, ages since we threw a meat party, isn't it? Instead of having a Tupperware party, you're getting. I you can't wanna, remember anything from the last meat party. You want You've got a lot of meat. You want to get people around to buy the meat, but people you've told your mates about. You still you want to find more people. Why not tap into Film Fandango's horde of meat-loving listeners? And they are a horde. They are a horde of meat lovers. Who will be round your house and at your meat before <laughs> you can say Film for Fandango. Meat party. Meat Which party. Which is a mouthful. But yeah. Yeah. The, the proposition is the Nick Cave film I was thinking. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very good. Um, well, that's about it, isn't it? Yeah, that's probably it for this week. Um... If you'd like to get in touch with us, whether to suggest films you think will stand the test of time or just about anything you like, then go to filmfandango.com and follow the links from there. As in, there's a box and you type your name in. and We get that. We get that. It it works. That all works. And also, I'm going to do a donation bit now. Should I do it for a change? Um, You can donate to help us make this podcast on the website as well. And if you do, we were really pleased and it really helps us. And to everyone who has donated, thank you very much. You're kind. You're the salt of the earth. We always think about you last thing before we go to sleep. <laughs> Funny I've said salt of the earth. There is a moment, which I don't think is a spoiler, because I won't tell you which character it is, but somebody in Slow West gets shot. Um, and then uh, a, <laughs> a stray bullet 
uh, smashes a jar that says salt on it um, off a shelf and into his wound. <laughs> and he's like, ah! Oh. It's literally salt in the wound. I was like, that was really weird. <laughs> It's almost cartoonish. I like the flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, keep keep watching watching the the films. films. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.